Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include your ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a Podgo member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fits your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, So-Called Oreos, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. another episode of the so-called oreos podcast the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness hardship and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside also known as an oreo i am janae here with my co-host here swim what's up y'all hey gang 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 um you guys are hearing us without an oreo we are a two-pack today not a three-pack um the homie amari had some family business to attend to she's fine she's good she's happy she's living it's good family business it's good family business so um it's just gonna be us today but we will be joined by a very special guest that some of you guys might recognize yeah We'll be joined by our favorite, my favorite guest of the podcast. Um, And we just finished recording. And uh, it's very interesting because we realize that our audience thinks a certain way, especially on one platform versus another. Um, But I am just really excited for everyone to hear this because I think it's a topic that maybe comes up a lot, but no one really goes deep to like, find the answer and we really go deep in this episode and yeah I love an educational entertaining funny episode and I think that's exactly what this is yeah Um, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear it and I hope you share it with some people and have some conversations of your own same I think as far as episodes go if I would to like compare it to a meat this is a nice juicy hunk of steak here yeah like a full mate, fillet, fillet, oh my God, fillet <laughs> mignon. <laughs> Can you tell I'm fancy? <laughs> I know that struggle was so real, uh, but we're so excited for you guys to hear it. Along with that, we have something new. We have two Ooh, things that are new. Two things, what's good? So new things. So guys, so guys, so guys, so guys, so guys, so guys. We now have a Discord and if you um, don't know what discord is because i know some of y'all don't because i didn't either because some of y'all hella middle-aged and not up with the young people no i just got tiktok like yesterday so no no shade shade but no shade um it's just a place where you guys can talk to us and communicate with us and 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 bullshit um we talk about current events we check in say how are you um some oreo gang members are currently in there you know wrecking it causing havoc in the best way possible um and it's been fun so far so we want to see you yeah it's been really fun i didn't realize it was gonna be so fun to have it but i'm like Ooh, did I get a Discord message? I'm like so giddy. I I think it's really fun. Like if you listen to this podcast, obviously we're in it. So it's basically a group chat with us and our listeners who are also awesome. And I think it's just like a place 
for like-minded people to come together mm-hmm. and like I know white people always feel some type of way like can I get the merch yes you can you can join the discord I promise we're not just I hate white people all day I I don't even think we t- talked about white people yet um but we talk about things like Quavo and Sweetie and a girl visiting her boyfriend and it's Friday what are we gonna do like it's just whatever you want and I feel like it could be a cool place for like if your boss is pissing you off, your sister's pissing you off, your dog won't shut the fuck up, anything, you could come to the Discord and be like, yo, these people is wildin'. Or you just want to say, hey, you have some good news. I just think it's a fun, safe space for like, like-minded people. And I'm excited for my people to join because I love it already. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we will be starting up is our Clubhouse. We already have a group on Clubhouse. Is it called a group? In Clubhouse? It's not a club. A club. So we already have a club. We have the so-called Oreos Club on Clubhouse. You can look it up and we'll add you. Exactly. Um, and we're going to be start. We're going to be start. Wow. We're going to. <laughs> it's late and I have a bag of Lay's <laughs> chips in my kitchen that I've been thinking about. But anyway. <laughs> if you're hungry, girl, get the Lay's. Ah! Hey, oh, hey. you like some Bruno. Anyway. Yes, my baby. We gonna be clubhousing. Yeah, so we're gonna be clubhouse. I feel like the conversation has died down um in clubhouse, but you know, we were told to, you know, have it. So yeah, join our club on Clubhouse. <laughs> we're gonna have a lot of um great conversations. Um, kind of like a Discord, but like we can actually talk with you guys. So I think that's more fun than just reading you can your hear our voice. Yeah. <laughs> than just like hearing the episode or like responding on Instagram. It's going to be much more interactive. So really excited for you guys to do that. People are still commenting on the questions from for the episode today. I'm still getting notifications. Oh my God. Guys, this episode's crazy. It sparked so much controversy. Yeah, it's actually, it's it's really wild, I think. Um, I was not expecting it. I just thought like, oh, it's just another episode. But nah, this one's a banger. This one's a banger. This is good. She's juicy juice. Um, Juicy. All right, guys. So today we have a very special guest with us. um, And she might look a little familiar or sound a little familiar to a few of the girls who have been, you know, rocking with the so-called Oreos podcast for a minute. Her name is... Jasmine Price. Hey. Side note, she's also my sister. Just to also, put that out there. I just want to note that Jasmine's episode is my favorite episode still to this to this day. My favorite. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> it's also one of my favorites too, because it was really funny, really informational. And it just felt like I was talking shit with my sister the entire time. I feel like um, it was everything that so-called Oreos is. Like it's funny, educational, and like a good time. Like I just feel like it was everything wrapped into like what the podcast is. That should be our new bio, Dennis. Um so Jasmine, real quick, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, what you like to eat for dinner. Ooh. And that's it. Should that be what we ask guests for now on? It's, we could ask some random wild shit, like, what was the last thing you ate for breakfast or something? Your favorite sex position. Ooh. <laughs> My mom listens to this, so maybe not. Hi, maybe mom. Not. Hey. <laughs> um, hey, y'all. 
Thanks for having me again. My name is Jasmine Price. Um, I am Janae's sister. Very happy to be on the so-called Orioles podcast once again. Um, I am an educator for a uh, pretty big school district. Love my job. Uh, recently moved into administration, which is a whirlwind, but um, wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and I'm really excited about our conversation that we're going to have today because every time I get a chance to talk about race, racism, prejudice, and just all sorts of fuckery or like surrounding those things, it's a good time. You know, even when you get pissed off talking about it, it's still a good time. And it's what we need to be talking about. Everything boils down to, to social justice. So, yeah. And I ain't eat breakfast today. Damn, why not? I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. For those who don't know, I'm moving out of my apartment, blossoming into an adult. Yeah. Um, yeah, we love to see it, I guess. So I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to eat. Damn, okay. Well, I flopped on the question. So Janae asked another one. <laughs> um what's your favorite movie? Oh dang. Okay, so I love, first of all, I hate romantic comedies. <gasps> Me too. And I hate romance. <gasps> Me too. And I Y'all just comedy. bitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just hate unrealistic expectations. We know this. Exactly. Exactly. <gasps> However, one of my favorite movies is Brown Sugar. I love that movie. I also love Love and Basketball, which goes against That's my sister's movie. favorite movie. So good. She loves that movie. But uh, I'm glad I found someone that agrees. That's what I I do not like romantic movies and I do not like rom coms because the unrealistic expectations. Right. And I feel like if someone would have said, Kia, uh, life is hard and these dudes suck, I would have been like, bet instead of being like, Oh my god, I'm gonna date so many guys and have so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. When I'm a senior in high school, I'm going to meet him. Oh, my God. That was it, right? And I'm still... And then get married after college. And I didn't have my first kiss till after high school. So there we go. Bro, same. Um, Just quick (laughs) side note. Quick side note. I still believe in love and romance. I'm a hopeless romantic. And yesterday I got really pumped up because I'm about to move into a new apartment. And I was like, I've been manifesting. It's all coming through. I slid into a guy's DMs who I went to college with. um, And he and I have been like chatting in Instagram DMs all week. So I was just like punching the shower air like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Just feeling real pumped up and good then the conversation fell completely flat and he and I have stopped talking but I'm still manifesting I'm still looking for that romance so girl I thought this story was gonna be like I got a date girl no not at all not at all I'm frankly just happy that because this guy okay okay we're completely off topic but anyway this guy was that guy in college that everyone liked he was everyone's first crush so my roommate who I live with now she went to college with me and she was like we she and I have been trying to plan how I can slide in his dms and she was like he was my very first crush at um Hofstra the school I went to he was just that guy that guy 
Um, and I was just happy that I slid in his DMs and he seemed interested enough to keep up a conversation with me over the span of like four days. So I felt small like wins. that was a win. Small ones. Small ones. Small ones. Small ones. But to get into the conversation today. So basically, this is a conversation that me and the Oreos have been having for a while um, through our social media platform, through other things happening on the Internet. When we post things that are more black centric um, or black focused, it never ceases to amaze us the amount of trolling comments that we get talking about how something that we post that's black positive or black centric is racism. It seems like there is always that white troll that's like you're being racist or even a few weeks ago, I um, wrote a story uh, up on Thrillist.com about Black restaurants for Black History Month. And someone messaged me on Twitter saying that basically I need to stop excluding restaurants. And next, I should write about white restaurants, the best white restaurants in Manhattan. <laughs> Um, so we thought that this was an important question, uh, conversation to have, an important question to ask. Can Black people and other minority groups be racist? And we brought Jasmine on today because Jasmine has a wealth of knowledge. Like she said, she's an educator. She's taught a college course around the subject, and she continues to mold young minds, young minds of color um, and, and talk and, and teach about these topics. So we figured that we would bring Jasmine in to help us out with this conversation. Yeah. So do you want to go over the definitions? Yeah, we've got some definitions for you guys. Um, you know how the Oreos do. We don't give y'all nothing without some cold no, hearts. Smart. You know what it is. Can't say the same about your favorite <laughs> podcast, I bet. They would just be saying whatever. Hey. But we're educated over here. Amen. Uh, so first, we want to start off with the definition of prejudice. And just to give a little note, I honestly think that we have to have these conversations because people don't really know the definitions of these words. I think we tend to just lump everything into the same definition of like hatred, you know, instead of really looking at what these words mean. So prejudice is the prejudgment about another person based on the social groups to which that person belongs to. Prejudice consists of thoughts and feelings, including stereotypes, attitudes, and generalizations that are based on little or no experience and are projected onto everyone from that group. Right, and I, I think to just add a little bit in there, like sometimes, you might have a preconceived idea that might be like validated because like, okay, you saw this person and they did exactly what the like preconceived notion was. However, groups of people are not a monolith, right? So because I'm black and I like fried chicken, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you can make up your mind that all black people like fried chicken. Good point, thank you, professor. You're welcome. So moving on to the definition of discrimination, it is action based on prejudice. These actions include ignoring, exclusion, threats, ridicule, slander, and violence. Then lastly, we can move on to the definition of racism. 
Racism is a structure, not an event. It's when a racial group's collective prejudice is backed by the power of legal authority and institutional control. And all of these definitions I got from um, Robin D'Angelo, who is the author of White Fragility, which is a great book. I suggest everyone read it, but specifically white people. I feel like that and your definitions kind of like went through like, I guess, a phase of like prejudice is like the prejudgment and discrimination is like the action and racism is like, I think the key word here is um, backed by power. I think that's a key word. Um, but yeah, I'll let Jasmine, Jasmine go into it since she's, um, wait, actually, I, sorry, I have a question for Jasmine because um, is there any, with stereotypes, like, and how stereotypes, kind of like you said, Black people love fried chicken, whatever, um, do people get stereotypes based off truth or what, what, how does a stereotype, like, come about? Is there any truth to it or what's the process of that? I have two things to say. And I'm saying that I have two things to say to make sure that I don't forget that I'm supposed to be touching on two topics. So to answer your question first, I think that um, stereotypes are things that were purposely created um, and maybe they have like an ounce of truth in them, but I feel like they were created because, you know, for, for a purpose, for an agenda to keep people separated or to keep people oppressed um, or to like validate um, a narrative, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay to devalue these people because they are X, Y, or Z, you know? Um, and then dang, the second thing, oh, the second thing I wanted to say was about racism. So whenever I talk about racism, I really like to put in there that racism is a structure that only goes one way. So a lot of times when we talk about racism and we say like, oh, it's one group who's like being mean to another group, or it's one group who's devaluing or oppressing another group. When we don't put names to those groups, it allows people to think that the groups can have any title. So like A, group A and group B, we can just insert any race. So it can be Asian and Black, or it can be Black and White, or it can be White and Hispanic. But really, this dichotomy is like set in stone. It is white people having the privilege and the power and people of color having, uh, not being able to benefit the way white people do. So white people are in the position of power when we're talking about the dynamic of racism. Um, something that I did want to say about the the definitions and and white fragility, going back to that really quickly, because um, Kia brought up how you know you really like the pacing of the definitions, and it's fantastic because the way she paces them within the first chapter, she's really talking about how she teaches as a white woman, she teaches this class about racism, and how she was kind of she's always baffled and confused because white people are always, they always have the same reactions when she's teaching this class. And she was talking about how this man walks up to her after 
talking about racism and he basically says, well, I can't be racist because I'm Italian and and my family struggled and they were immigrants. <laughs> I love how both of you guys rolled your eyes. Because that shit is annoying. Like when white people are like, I'm, I know what it's like to be black. I'm poor and it was on food stamps and mm-hmm. my parents are divorced mm-hmm. and I was in the hood and it's like. And so listen to all of that. So now you're saying to be black means to be poor and on food stamps and, you know, that, like that. No, that's your pressure. He literally just gave the definition of racism in trying to explain I'm not racist. And trying to equate like poverty to being black. Like you're, and and people have a, a real problem with separating race and class. Like we really we try to mend those two areas of difference so that white people can help themselves feel better about being associated with racism. But really you being poor has nothing to do with you understanding what it means to be black. Those are you hit the (laughs) you hit it right there, because I feel like when you talk about privilege, white people only think about economic privilege. They think I'm not rich like Bill Gates. I don't know what it's like to be privileged. And it's like, my nigga, you could be the poorest motherfucker in this bitch and the cops will not even look at, at you a second. And you could be LeBron James and they will arrest him and be the next George Floyd. Like, it doesn't matter. You can be Oprah you can be Oprah and they will still follow you in a store. It doesn't matter how much money you have as a black person. You will never in your life. You could say, I'm not black. I'm OJ. You could say whatever you want, but you still are going to be black. It doesn't matter. So I, if you don't mind, I'd like to read a definition for racism. This is my favorite definition, um, which was, Uh, I got by way of a colleague who I work with at uh, one of the colleges around here. And the definition says racism is a set of rules and tacit beliefs that results in whites collectively maintaining control over the wealth and the power of the nation and the world. And that um, is from an article written by Christine Sleater. You should definitely, and the article is called White Racism. You should definitely read it. And what I love about that definition is that it encompasses everything that we said. It also puts a name to the face. It's not just like, oh, random group of people being mean to another random group of people. You know what I mean? So that people can just decide which random group is who. So if I want to protect myself and my whiteness, I'm going to be like, oh, racism can go either way. Black people can be racist towards me or Puerto Ricans can be racist towards Cubans. Like not, we have to talk about the fact that racism is something that white people benefit from and people of color never benefit from. Just like sexism is something that men benefit from and women never benefit from. Just like heterosexism is something that straight people benefit from and the LGBTQ uh, community does not benefit from. So when we identify who is what variable it allows us to have more transparent conversations about what's wrong here. It, like it, it helps us not be able to hide. And so the, I guess the main question of this conversation is, can minorities being anyone that's not white um, be racist? And I'll let Jasmine answer that question. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no, no. And It's difficult to understand why, 
without having like a full-blown conversation, which is why I'm glad we're here right now. So can I share my screen? I do want to bring up for the people in the back while you're sharing your screen, though, that people of color can yes. be prejudiced yes. and discriminate. But we can't be racist. They can do those two things, but they cannot be racist because racism is a power structure and people of color do not have that power the key to be racist to that power structure. Exactly. I just wanted to summarize. No, that's good. I just I'm wanted to summarize. To that. That's it. And we'll try to like explain this the best we can in like an audio version because I know it's presented, but we'll try to explain yeah. it the most to you, to the ones so, who are just listening. Um, this graphic is a visual representation of the way our society is set up. Um, I got this graphic from a colleague who also teaches um, about race and racism, who teaches about social justice, um, and who teaches future educators um, at one of the colleges around, uh, around here. And what it is, is it's a circle that has like other circles nested inside of it. And we call it the circle of oppression. So in kind of like the heart of the circle, like where the bullseye would be, it says dominant group or ideology. But really what that is, is the goods. We like to call it the goods. Um, and basically that is just where all of the things that we as Americans want, need, aspire to have, aspire to be, all of the, um, the things that people tell you you should acquire in life or whatever, all of that goes in the center of the circle. Those are the goods. It's the house that you're supposed to have. It's the relationship you're supposed to have. It's the money you're supposed to have. It's the education that you're supposed to have. It's the, the whatever, you name it. It's the white picket fence and the little yappy dog. Okay. Um, it's also access, access to people, access to things, access to goods. It's, it's all, it's all of those things. Then right outside of the center circle is another circle. This circle is where, um, people who have historically had easier access to the goods. So when we talk about race, that means white folk. When we talk about class, that means people who are rich, um, people who have lots of education. When we talk about gender, that means men. So this circle is closest to the goods because those folks have historically had more access or easier access to the goods, right? And then we have a third circle, which is on the outermost ring. And this section of the circle, these are all of the people who historically have been marginalized from the goods, further away from the goods. So when we talk about race, that's people of color. When we talk about gender, that's women. When we talk about sexuality, that's everybody in the LGBTQ plus uh, uh, society, right? So just today we're focusing on the race wedge, right? So in the race wedge, we have first circle goods, right above that we got white folk, and then right outside of that we got people of color. White people have historically, financially, politically, spiritually, like put a L-Y on it, they've been closer to the goods than people of color. And this structure is what basically like 
the is the visual representation of what racism is. It is the structure that keeps white folks closer to the goods and people of color marginalized or pushed away from the goods. Now, there are certain things that we can do, say, believe, talk about to kind of perpetuate this circle, to keep everything in place the way that it's always been, right? And those kinds of things that we can do to keep this circle's structure strong are like forms of oppression, okay? And I know that this is kind of, it's probably kind of like convoluted, but hopefully it'll get clearer as I continue to talk. In our country, okay, we are taught that everybody has equal opportunity. Like all you gotta do is work hard and you're gonna have access to the goods, right? You work hard and you can get your education. You work hard and you can get that house and the yappy dog in your heterosexual relationship. <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, we are told that this circle represents our society. We got the goods in the middle here, and then everybody around the circle has equal access to it, whether you're middle-aged or young, whether you're man or woman, or whether you're someone with disabilities or not, or whether you are white or a person of color. So this is what we want to believe, but this is not the way our society is actually set up. Our society is actually set up like this, like the circle of oppression. The circle of equal opportunity is kind of like the um, the myth and like what we want to believe, what we think we can manifest, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, but the reality is there's a circle of oppression where the goods, you just really, if you're not born into the goods, you just will almost never have the goods. Right. It's like if you're not born in a position of privilege or at least tethered to someone who has privilege, then it's going to be harder for you to have access to the goods or to the privilege. Right. Another thing that I want to share, this is my favorite thing in the entire world. These are the forms of injustice. Uh, for those of you who are just listening to the audio, what it is, is it's like a grid. And across the top, we have areas of difference, race, gender, class, sexuality. And then down the left-hand side of the grid, we have different types of forms of injustice. There's a bunch of them. The first one is exclusion. Then we have omission, devaluing, discrediting, appropriating. These are all different things that... Um, add up to someone being marginalized, all right? So when we talk about race, there are different types of forms of injustice that people of color experience. And when we experience these things, they all end up adding up to racism. There are different forms of injustice that when we look at gender, different forms of injustice that women experience that all lead up to sexism and so on and so forth. But focusing on race right now, when we have exclusion, an example of this is black folk or any person of color being excluded from voting, which we're seeing right now, like 
literally seeing that right now or redlining is an example of exclusion or when you are that person of color who's in a room with a whole bunch of white folk and nobody is acknowledging you everyone who's a person of color has had that experience these are all examples of exclusion i can just jump down to any one of these different forms of injustice trivializing okay one example says perceived Native American cultural contributions are limited to the making of crafts. So we trivialize Native Americans by saying, oh, all they do is make crafts. That's it. Um, we jump down to stereotypes using negative stereotypes of people of color. This is one thing that adds up to a form of injustice. And when all of these forms of injustices are put together, we experience racism. So sometimes people think that they are not racist because they're not running around wearing a white hood with little eye holes cut out of it, right? However, if you are someone who's ever excluded a person of color, if you are someone who's ever omitted a person of color, if you are someone who devalued a person of color or you used a racial slur or you discredited a person of color, you are contributing to racism because all of these little pebbles add up to a real big rock. Okay, this is my other favorite thing in the world. Excuse the, the drawing of the birdcage. I ain't draw it. I don't know who drew it, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have been able to do any better, but just just rock with me. So this is a picture of a birdcage. And um, this like example has been used over and over and over again in like social science and um, conversations about race and racism. But basically, it's like if you look at a birdcage and you just look at one rung, one bar of the birdcage, it is impossible to understand how a bird can be trapped because you are paying attention to just one piece of the structure. Even if you look at two or three bars, you might think to yourself, well, damn, why can't this stupid bird just fly around in bars? However, when you kind of zoom out and you look at all of the rungs and how they are all intertwined, it becomes easy for you to understand how this structure creates something that encases the bird and inhibits pro prohibits the bird from being able to take flight. So we use this graphic to show how um, racism, sexism, classism, how all of the isms work. All of these bars represent a different form of injustice. So this bar could be omission. This bar could be stereotyping. This bar could be prejudice. And when you experience all of these things together, it creates this trapping environment of racism. And people of color experience all of these different things. This is why white folk cannot be, or I'm sorry, people of color cannot be racist because people of color experience all of these different rungs and how they work together. White people can experience some of these things, but you're never gonna experience them in the way that black people experience them. You're never gonna have the history that black people have had in this, in this country. You're never gonna be the recipient of redlining. You know what I mean? You're never gonna have the legacy that black people have or that Puerto Ricans have or that Asians have in this country. We just have a different relationship with this country than white people do. 
on on that note about the history, I've been, you know, trying to to educate myself a little bit recently. And I watched this long YouTube video um, about kind of the history of racism in this country toward Asian people. And it was talking about how for generations, um, Asian people have had the reputation of being dirty in this country um, and how, you know, in the 1800s, there were areas in the West that were Chinatowns um, and how they would completely get burned to the ground anytime there was any type of outbreak or sickness. And the stereotype basically came from this idea that Asian immigrants came to the country and would work for less money because that's what white people would give them, but they would still do it, of course, because they have to make a life for themselves and support their family. But the stereotype basically grew because white people figured that because they would work for less money, that meant that they were dirty and stupid and less capable. So then disease and outbreak would happen and they would just burn down entire towns of Asian people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nothing would be said about it. And this is something that happened hundreds of years ago. And now we're in the same position again with coronavirus. Just this is this is just like another rung of the of the birdcage and just to show that like the history of this country is nothing new happening. We're doing the same stuff that we've been doing. And all of the preconceived notions that you have about different races, they're not new. They're things that have been in play for hundreds of years and they're purposely put there to keep other people down. Yeah, I wanted to go back to this idea of whether or not people of color could be racist. So in order to kind of make it easier to understand, sometimes you have to hop across to a different to another area of difference so that people can kind of grasp it better. So I'm a hop, I'm a leave race right now and I'm a hop over to gender. Okay. And in this country, historically, we've had the dynamic of women and men, right? Historically. Those are the two genders that historically have been recognized. And in this country, men have historically had more privilege more access to the goods than women, right? They were able to vote first. They get paid more money. They could own land, all of that, right? And so slowly, slowly, slowly over time, women started to gain more rights, more access. However, we'll never be able to have the same history with this country as women that men do. You'll never be able to go into a mechanic shop just by yourself and have people believe that you know what you're talking about. That And that's just that. Um, unfortunately. So when we talk about uh, whether or not women can be sexist, women cannot be sexist because they are the recipient of sexism. They can perpetuate sexism. They can help the structure stay the same. Um, They can push the idea, like keep the idea alive, but they will never benefit from sexism. So, for example, like when Hillary Clinton was running for president and you've got women running around like, we're not ready for a woman president. (laughs) When you think about it, who does that really hurt? It hurts women. Right. It's that's that's kind of like a self-harming statement. You are a woman saying that women cannot be powerful, cannot lead, cannot, cannot, cannot. Does that hurt men? No, it just helps the structure 
stay in place that says women are subservient to men. Now let's hop back over to race. Can people of color be racist? No. People of color can help the system stay alive. So like a Candace Owens. So like a Candace Owens. Oh. <laughs> people of color can help it stay alive, right? They can help perpetuate the system of racism, but they will never benefit from racism. People of color can be prejudiced. They can have preconceived notions about white people or other people of color. People of color can also be mean. They can say hurtful things. People of color can use slurs. But guess what? People of color will never and have never been in a position of power where they could affect white people economically, where they could affect white people um, politically, where they can affect white people, put an L-Y on it, it doesn't happen. People of color are not in control of the media. People of color are not in control of our government. People of color are not in control of real estate. We are um, actually sought after nowadays for different positions because historically we've been barred from having positions of power. So can people of color be racist? Nah. We don't help the situation by, you know, using slurs and um, devaluing ourselves and others. We don't help the situation when we do things like that. However, we'll never benefit from the structure of racism. Therefore, we cannot be racist. And I also think that people need to get a better understanding of like um, the difference between like a racist and like someone who just benefits from racism. And I like to think of it like the difference between a gymnast and someone who goes to the gym. So a gymnast is someone who like eats, breathes and lives like flipping around and flipping and bipping and doing all those triple axles and swinging on bars and stuff like they do this. This this, this is what they do. Right. And then you have someone who goes to the gym. You have someone who benefits from being able to have access to the weights and to the treadmill and stuff like that. So does that mean that they're a gymnast? Nah, but it, it means that they can benefit from having access to that equipment. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing with racism and racists. Like a racist can be someone who is like actively running around with the Trump Pence flags and with the uh, Confederate flag and like actively deciding that people of color are beneath them. And then there's also white people, all of them, who benefit from racism. You know, you don't have to be like wearing a Confederate flag, but you can just be someone who receives the benefit of being white. That contributes to racism. And listen, I understand that white people sometimes can't control the fact that they receive benefits and privilege, but that's not what we're talking about. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't control that if a family member dies and then they leave me money. Like I can't control that, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm privileged because I received that money. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a good point because I feel like a lot of white people also I wanted to just touch on like the the 
the point that you made of like the effects like black people don't have control of like the government and real estate like i think when a white person is racist if we can see that do damage i mean look at slavery um and then when it's like a black person or a person of color says the same statement it, or does the same thing it just doesn't have that same effect um which I think is really important. Exactly. So you can, that, and that's another thing. Oh man, I got to share another graphic, y'all. Let me share another graph. Let me pull it up. I want to talk to y'all real quick about meritocracy. Meritocracy, and this is a worksheet that I use for the college course that I teach. Um, meritocracy is this idea that if you work hard, then you're going to reap benefits. And if you do not work hard, then you don't deserve benefits. Um, or if you work hard, then you can get goods. If you don't work hard, then you shouldn't get goods. And meritocracy is an American ideology. As Americans, we believe that, you know, you do all your homework, you should get an A. You come to work all the time, people should be like, good job, you came to work. Mm. You know, like we believe that we should be rewarded in some way, shape or form, whether it's rewarded with words or rewarded with actions or with we're, we're rewarded with um, compensation, monetary compensation, like whatever. We believe that if we're good, we should get goods. If we're bad, we should not. Meritocracy um, is something that happens in our country, but it's not something that is consistent, right? So sometimes people work hard, but they don't get goods. Sometimes people do not work hard and they still get goods, right? Like the students that I teach in the, in the, in the district that I'm in, it's an impoverished district. Like, I think the stats are like 80 something percent of the kids are living in poverty or something like that. It's like, um, it's a lot. So whenever I talk to my K-12 students about this, I'm like, so y'all, do you think if you work hard, then you should be able to re receive rewards? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So the people who don't work hard, they shouldn't get rewards. They're like, nah. Okay, cool. Then I asked them like, how many of y'all have parents who work hard and still struggle? Ooh. And they like, without a doubt, everybody raises their hand. And I'm like, okay, so what's up with that? Like you said that if you work hard, then you should get the things that you want in life. So why is it that we have people who work hard and are still working hard because they can't get out of a rut? Like, what's up with that? And then I said, can anybody think of examples of people who like didn't really do anything to contribute to society and yet they're like on top of the world? Donald Trump. Kardashian. Those, <laughs> those are literally the two examples that always come up in class. Donald fucking Trump and the fucking Kardashians. And so meritocracy is inconsistent. And because meritocracy is inconsistent, it can sometimes get a little dangerous, you know? Like when we talk about race. People who are white, who don't understand that meritocracy is not set in stone, they will say things like, well, why can't black people just work harder? Why can't they just pull themselves by the bootstraps? That's always right. The one why, can't always they just, why can't they just be like us? And then they will say things like, well, my grandfather worked hard and amassed this mansion and all this other stuff. Why can't they just do that? And it's like, y'all, true story. I got an essay from a college student. And in her essay, she said, my grandfather or my great, great, several great, great grandfather, he came over here from, I don't know, Italy, Scotland, I, whatever. He came over here and she said he worked 
hard. He started with like nothing but a potato in his pocket and ended up creating this like business of his own and being able to pass down, you know, that legacy generation to generation to generation. And in her essay, she said, I feel like I should not have to be ashamed of that. And so I wrote her message back and I said, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. But what you should understand is that my several great grand grandfather, he worked hard too. In fact, he worked hard with a leash and lash at his back. And he wasn't able to keep the benefits of his hard work. So it's not about working hard. It's about the simple fact that some people can work hard and reap the benefits while other people can work hard and not reap the benefits. When we look at the George Floyd murder, okay, there was a story that came out. This white man went into a bank. He had a counterfeit bill. He didn't realize it was a counterfeit bill. He gave it to the teller. There was um, two officers who were in the bank and it became like a joke. Like they all laughed about it. Like, ha ha, somebody gave you a fake 20. Oh my God. They actually gave him back the 20 and he went about his day. And this was like a funny story that he tells at barbecues. Same thing basically happens to George Floyd. There's a counterfeit bill. Police are called. Police kneel on his neck until he dies. Like, why is it that basically the same action happens to one person and he gets to tell it as a funny story, a funny mishap that he recalls at barbecues surrounded by his loved ones and George Floyd is dead? I have a question. Did the student respond to your response of like your history? No, what's she going to say? Oh, I didn't. Okay, so she's an idiot. I just don't need to confirm. I already thought she was, but. Just quickly, I really cannot wait until I get into another conversation about racism with a white person because a response that I've heard my entire life from white people is my grandfather migrated here from or immigrated here, sorry, from Italy or from Ireland and they were poor. They had nothing and they made it they did what they needed to do. Why can't black people just do that? Yeah. Why can't Hispanic people just do that? I mean, it was hard work, Janae, to build this country without pay, without citizenship, without even the right to keep your, your, your children or your spouse or your name or your language. Yeah. And black people also, I was reading this. Um, why are we the only ones that have not seemed to gotten like, reparations like native americans have gotten some type of benefit or whatever the government has like no taxes on the reservation or something or um like they did um some type of benefit with after like the japanese internment camps but black people have literally got nothing and i just think that's wild that like we literally slaved here and was brought here and the government still refuses to give us literally anything for that and it's like even if someone like dies out of like wrongful death suit you'll pay them like millions of dollars but like black people have a whole still to this day have not gotten like literally anything and i just think if you really think about it that is so insane yeah i think it's because the bill would be too high it would it was fuck hundreds, this country. it was hundreds of years and millions it was trillions of people but to not the, even do anything about it, to not even be like, okay, black people, here's 5K to your education, to not do like not one thing about it is 
is literally insane. And I just think every white person is going to hell who contributes to that. <laughs> I, I think that um, going back to this student that I had, I don't think that she is an idiot. I think that she's simply white. And I think that she was doing something that white people do. They're trying to find the answer. They're trying to rationalize, but they're trying to do all of that while skipping over the fact where you have to take accountability. I think it's not wanting to feel guilty. It's, yeah, I think I think it's the feeling of, well, I didn't do this. Well, I wasn't the person holding the whip. So I shouldn't have to take responsibility for that. That was hundreds of years ago. I mean, but I can say the same thing. I shouldn't have to have the effect of racism because I wasn't born in the 1800s. Yeah. And I shouldn't, I wasn't the one getting whipped, but guess what, motherfucker? I still have, I still can't get like anything because of that same thing. So it's like, yeah, I would love to just like erase myself from racism and slavery, but I literally cannot do that. And neither can you, it doesn't go that way. It's like when you, when you look at the financial gap between the races, it's like, yeah, I would literally, I would love to be able to erase history, but I can't erase the fact that we are so far behind white people financially. I can't erase that. I can't erase the fact that y'all literally had generations of literacy in the English language and we just had to learn it by ear. And now you pick on the way we speak. You know what I mean? Like I can't get around that. I can't get around the fact that because of redlining, white people had access to better houses and better areas. And then we just got crammed into places and then mystically, you know, crack cocaine was just sprinkled on our part of the world. (laughs) You know what I mean? Can't get rid of that. I can't get rid of the fact that like our neighborhoods are over-policed. Like there's a whole bunch of shit. I wish I can just be like, oh, let me take a big whoops eraser and just get rid of that part of my history. But I can't do that. And so I feel like in order to be progressive, we all have to get away from this idea of guilt and blame. Ain't nobody really like blaming you white people. We just want you to take a hard look at history and accept what is so that we don't continue to do things that will continue to marginalize people of color. And I think the same conversation can be had and the same things can be said about when women are talking about men. When I say that I wish I could take a walk at night without feeling threatened, the response from a man shouldn't be, well, I've never raped anyone. It shouldn't be the response. I'm not specifically talking. If you're not an asshole, then I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my experience as a woman in this country. And it's the same exact thing with straight people. As a straight person, we need to take accountability. Yeah. And I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it, for me as like a black woman, maybe you guys can feel the same way, but I feel like, white women will be like so gung-ho on like sexism and like I can't believe men don't get this but they'll do some wild shit where they'll like perpetuate racism and like same thing with like race it'll be like black men we're all together on this fuck white people shit but once the second I bring up hey Quavo shouldn't have ducked uh sweetie it's well she hit him first and it's like bro I don't understand how you're so gung-ho on like black lives matter but once I'd be like oh you shouldn't beat women now we got a problem like, See, that, that is so important, Kia, because that right there is the reason why we cannot talk about 
um, sexism when we're talking about race. You know what I mean? Like we can we can talk about it if we're trying to help people make the connection, but we can't talk about it as a way to dodge the conversation. You know, you can't like matrix your way out of having this conversation. So. And that's always what happens when you address white people about racism, then they start, they go to the narrative of, well, I was poor and I didn't have anything growing up. It's like, nah, right now in this moment, you are devaluing me and you are ignoring my experience, which is one of the forms of injustice, which perpetuates racism. (laughs) So instead of like trying to um, push away what I'm saying, sit in it with me. And be like, damn, you know, that is real fucked up. That's That's it. it. Is that your answer to, so like, I guess one of our our last questions was, how can we stop the circle of oppression? Is there a way to stop it? And two, is the only response really kind of like you said, like, just listen and like, you know, or what's the, what's the like way to solve the circle of oppression if there is a way? I think that listening is like step point two three like it's not even step one you they know don't I mean? even get that far though <laughs> right exactly exactly um i think that because racism is such a system that has all these like entangled entwined pieces it ain't gonna take just listening i think that people need to realize that if we're gonna change a system then we also have to change who benefits from things and i don't think people want to do that just like with, I'm gonna hop over to another area of oppression now when we talk about gender. If we're gonna make things more equal there, then some men are gonna have to accept the fact that women are gonna be able to do the same things that they do, say the things that they say, act the way that they act. And guess what? You can't call them a bitch because they're acting like you. You can't say that, oh, you must be on your period because they're voicing their opinions. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with race. If we're going to even attempt to start to fix things, you might have to get up out of your feelings, white people, and allow black people to do some of the things that you do, like move into your neighborhoods. You might have to like rub shoulders with black folk. You might have to desegregate schools, you know, and people think that segregation is not a thing. If you look for five minutes, five minutes at the schools in our American uh, states, you will see that the schools are very much still segregated, especially in the north, y'all. Yeah, New Jersey is, I think I read, the most segregated schools in the country and also the last one in the north to desegregate schools. Yeah. My Jersey history. Y'all, listen. Damn, I'm about to move to Jersey. Desegregation of schools happened mostly in the South um, because that's where they were focusing on because everybody thinks that the South is only where racism happens, where slavery is an American legacy. It's not just a Southern thing. It's like the whole damn country, okay? And so in the district that I work in, you can drive, you can leave our district, drive like 10 minutes that way, 10 minutes that way, or 10 minutes that way, and bump into a district that's completely white. Whereas my district is extremely diverse in the sense that we have lots of different um, types of people of color. But if you go 10, 15 minutes in any other direction, it is like 90 something percent white. That is segregation. And we're going to have to get rid of that if we want to get rid of racism. 
we are going to have to get rid of this idea that black people like being marginalized or like we like being oppressed or like we're just using our history as an excuse. You're going to have to get rid of it. If you want to get rid of racism, you're going to have to get rid of that narrative. You are white folk. So with that, we took to social media um, and we asked the very cursed question of can people of color be racist? I believe that that was the color asked or was it can only white people be racist? No, we had asked. Yeah, the question was, um, can can minorities be racist? Um, And I think we actually did a poll on both, but I think people felt so strongly about this topic that we had gotten a a crazy amount of responses. And I'll just go on Twitter because I pulled it up right now. Um, So Twitter, we got 12 responses. Um, Sorry, I'm just getting at it. Okay, so we got 12 responses. Um, 75% said, no, minorities can't be racist. And 25% said, uh, yes. And then someone said, I'll just read the responses really quick. We can't be racist. We just reiterate the racist tactics and beliefs that white people created. And then she pointed to that clip from Dear White People, the movie. Um, And then someone else said, structurally, no. Prejudice, yes. It's kind of boot boot licking in capitalism where hating other poor people is not going to make you magically rich. Um, So so those are just some of the responses on Twitter. Wow, so the people on Twitter are smarter than the people of Instagram. Well, I feel like that's always it because I feel like Instagram is just people who are fucking fake and like can have fake bodies and just post it. But I feel like Twitter, you actually have to be smart. Otherwise, you will get like read to filth. So that's why I like Twitter. So on Instagram, we asked the poll of do you think people of color can be racist? 74% said yes and 26% said no. Wait, we we asked if they could be. Yeah. And 74% said yes. 74% said yes. 74% of our polls said that, yes, people of color can be racist. Quick question. Yes. Wait, is our response, are our studios, sorry, I'm just realizing, is our audience like stupid or... And, and and that's what, I wasn't going to ask that question. I was going to ask if your audience knows the content of your podcast, if they, if they know who they listening to, if they... I'm trying to look at the actual thing. I'm trying to look at it now to be like. I think, and I'm going to bring this back to my original point that I think that people don't know the definitions of racism, prejudice, and discrimination. I think that's the issue here. I think that a lot of people just don't get the definition and they look at it like you said before, Jasmine, is that it's one group of people hating another group of people and that's it. So therefore everyone can be racist, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Yes. So if they're looking at it like anybody can be racist, then I understand where they're coming from. But I need everyone to understand that racism is not a two-way street. Racism is a one-way street in which people of color do not benefit from it. They can't, people of color cannot be racist, y'all. So let me read some of the reactions. Um, And we got a lot from Instagram. Um, so someone said racism is rooted in oppression and power systems. I think POC can be prejudice. Correct. Okay. I've dealt with colorism, texturism, racism, 
behavior, racist behavior uh, that goes on in POC communities. Um, someone said racism can be taught to anyone. Um, in the U.S., at least, they can't be racist because they don't have the power dynamic of systems and policies. Um, can, we, yeah. can we pause on one of those? Yeah, sure. So someone said, I've dealt with colorism. And what else? She said, I dealt with colorism, texturism, racist behavior that goes on in POC community. And I'm looking at this person. It looks like, oh, I think I went to college with him. Um, he's like a light-skinned Latino. Okay, so I want to I want to dive into that for like 30 seconds. So how do I say this? It's a it's about who benefits. Um, I used to work at H and M. Okay, and. At the time that this story that I'm about to say, at the time this happened, I was working at H&M for like three or four years, which is a long time to work in like retail. Most people just work there like, oh, I need a summer job and then they out in like a couple months. I was there for like three or four years. And I the, the specific store that I was working at, I knew frontwards and backwards. And I'm a black woman. A customer comes in who was also a black woman. She asked me a question. And when she asked me a question, I gave her the answer. She paused, looked at me and was like, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't look like you know what you're talking about. Is there a white person I can talk to? Sorry, this was a black person. This was a black, black person that said that. And so I kind of balked. I kind of was like, uh, uh, huh? And then I politely pointed her in the direction of like other employees. She chose to go up to one of the employees who was there for like all of five minutes. She was a, a young white girl and she, the young white girl didn't know the answer. So then the young white girl walked the customer back over to me, the senior employee, and then re-asked me the same question to which I re-gave the same answer. And black woman got upset, marched off. I say that to say this. In that moment, was that black woman being racist? No, she was being, she was exercising prejudice. She had a preconceived notion that black people aren't as smart as white people. But where does she get that idea from? White supremacy. Exactly. That's taught to us. That's something that we have consumed. Right. And some black people, you know, subscribe to that idea. Some black people don't. At the end of the day, did I benefit from her thinking that way? No. Did she benefit from thinking that way? No. So black people, absolutely, black people can be mean to one another. Black people can think badly about one another. Black people can use slurs to one another. We can put each other down. At the end of the day though, neither one of the black people benefit from that structure. The only people who benefit from racism are white people. They're the only people who are continuously allowed to not have these negative stereotypes um, and oppressive systems placed upon them. So no matter how many times I call another black person a nigga, it is not gonna change the fact that we are oppressed. And it's, it's not helping anything, no, but it's not changing anything either. So one, I'm just disappointed in our audience because I double checked and we did ask the right question. And anyway, um, other, other responses, I just don't, 
I don't get the point of these responses, but I'll just say some anyway. Um, sorry, Janae, I'm looking at it on my phone. Um, racism is in the air we breathe. So I guess that's her response is like why people, people of color can be racism because racism is in the air we breathe. Um, someone said, I've met racist people of all colors worldwide. Beijing was the most racist place I lived in. I don't know if that's, I think that's a black woman saying she experienced racism from in uh people in china can you speak on that a little bit of how that works um i guess that's kind of the same thing right like it's, she doesn't i benefit. think it's the same thing that janae was talking about where we are we're clumping together prejudice preconceived notions discrimination and racism like racism is a system that keeps the dominant group which is white people keeps them in power right? If an Asian person walks up to me and like treats me a certain way, again, it's not helping that Asian person. It's not helping me. You know what I mean? If a Black person is mean to me or I'm mean to a Black person, south of the Mason-Dixon line, we can both get lynched. You understand what I'm saying? And again, to make it clearer, I'm going to hop across to another area of difference. If I'm a woman and I call another woman a cunt, or if I say another woman is stupid because she's a woman, or if I say that she's PMSing because she's upset, at the end of the day, neither one of us can be president. (laughs) Neither one of us can go get our oil changed without somebody trying to upcharge us. You understand? So we can tear each other down all we want, but it's not the ism. It's not racism because racism is done to us, not by us. I see one here that says anyone who upholds the systematic oppression the U.S. was found on can be racist. Oh, God. (laughs) Yo, I'm so disappointed. I feel like Amari always puts like educational stuff on her Instagram. And I just think it's wild that people listen to this and hear this podcast and see your Instagram and these responses. I'm actually very, very shocked uh, very, very shocked by this, actually. I'm just going to read random ones. Most cultures have anti-Blackness ingrained. I don't think that has anything. I, I know what he's saying, but I guess I don't think that has anything to do with that. Someone said, because anyone can be racist. Um, anyone can perpetuate racism. They can't punch up, but deaf can downwards. Oh, I, I've, I found it. Um, I have met non-black POC who carry anti-black sentiments. They are racist. So they're prejudiced or they're mean or they're being assholes. But again, if you are a person of color, you're not racist because you don't benefit from racism. It's all about the being the beneficiary. It's all about being able to reap the harvest. It's all about having access to those goods that are in the circle of oppression. So, and and the proof is in the pudding. So that Asian person or Puerto Rican person or um, Mexican person, whatever, that person of color who was mean to a black person, let that person of color go into a white space. And guess what? They are going to receive the same thing that the black person would receive if they walked into that same space. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's a good analogy would be like, okay, white people stormed the Capitol and they got to take Nancy Pelosi's stuff and stuff. But if all the minorities stormed the Capitol, all y'all niggas would yes. be dead. 
And when I say niggas, I mean, yes. This is another, I think that this is also low key, another tactic that is used to perpetuate racism. Let's get all the people of color together and let's make them fight each other and argue with each other about whether or not we can be racist against each other so that we don't pay attention to the real problem, which is white supremacy. Oh, I think that's a, I feel like Amari always says that a thousand percent. Yeah. Amari is always like, it's white supremacy. White supremacy. It's white supremacy. supremacy. <laughs> and I'm I'm about to do the same exact thing because I saw so well first let's go back to when George Floyd was killed, right? And we started talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And then everyone started talking about how Black trans lives matter. And there were so many conversations within the black community about how this is this is 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 changing and moving the point of the movement. The problem's white supremacy. That's point blank period because black trans lives do matter. And when it comes to a conversation in the black community, black trans people are marginalized even more than black people. And therefore they need more love. They need more assistance. They need more help. The focus needs to be on them. And it can't because white supremacy and the focus can't be on black people because of white supremacy. And then the conversations that have been coming up recently with the Asian community, with the shooting that happened a few weeks ago. And once again, conversations within the black community were that Asian people are very racist. Asian people are racist towards uh, black people. Asian people are racist towards other group. Asian people have done and said terrible things, right? The issue is white supremacy, point blank, period. I'm not saying that Asian people have not been prejudiced or discriminatory. I'm not saying black people haven't done the same, but the issue is white supremacy is keeping us from the goods. It's keeping us separated. And we have issues like this that happen with our fellow brother and sister of different colors, different sexes, that identify in different ways and we want to say well focusing on your struggle is hurting me no take sit sitting there and saying oh i'm not going to focus on your struggle because that's not giving any energy to my struggle we're just dissecting each other nah bro the issue is white supremacy that's the issue and when we get into the struggle olympics we effectively take the focus off of white supremacy It's like, we got to stop measuring each other's dicks. You know what I mean? It's, It's not serving any of us. Everyone who is marginalized is, needs to come together and focus on how white supremacy is the problem. And then, you know, maybe it will be easier for us to have uh, more different kinds of conversations. But until we handle white supremacy, we can't really handle anything else. And we're we're kind of allowing white supremacy to continue if we don't focus, like, like if we spend time squabbling against amongst each other. It just don't make no damn sense. Um, there were two longer responses that we got. They're very long, so I'm not going to read them both. or or I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm just going to summarize. One of them was basically saying that the relationship between Latinos and um, Africans or people who identify as African is a very, very, 
nuanced one. And they're basically saying that people who are Latino, who have said or, or don't identify as Black or Black people who use slurs to refer to Latinos, they're racist. No, you're wrong. And then the other one is basically saying that people of color who get into positions of power and don't reach back to help other people of color are also racist. No. <laughs> I love Jasmine's face. I'm really disappointed. Like, I'm actually really shocked and it's really interesting that twitter was like the reverse of like 75 percent said no and then on instagram it was like no we can so i don't know i'm just very surprised by like where our audience i guess and i'm really excited for this episode because i did not know everybody needed this but clearly we all need jasmine because my god (laughs) i told you people don't know the definitions of these words and to be frank with you i didn't either until jasmine sat me down and explained the circle of oppression because i was looking at it like well black people can be hateful too black people can say mean and and rude things too and so can asian people so can hispanic people so can every other group of people can say hurtful and mean things towards one another or toward white people And then Jasmine explained it to me and I was like, we can do it, but we don't benefit. We don't get anything from it. It's not changing. It's not changing anything. Yeah. And I want to say, too, that even before I had the conversation with you, Janae, someone else had to have the conversation with me. You know what I mean? I wasn't always in this space where I had such a good grip on, you know, this topic. Um, And I'm still growing. I'm still learning. You know what I mean? It's like every time I teach my my college course on this stuff, someone says something that sparks my my, you know, my metacognitive self or I pick up a book or I read an article or I listen to a podcast and I'm just like, hmm, I should do more research on that. You know what I mean? So it's like learning is something that's lifelong. And I think that as disappointed as y'all are in your your followers, I think it's encouraging that they don't know the, that you've identified the problem. The problem is they don't know the definitions. So now it would be interesting to re-poll them. Now that y'all listen to this motherfucking podcast <laughs> and you've got the definitions, now ask yourself the same fucking question and see if you you feel yeah. the same way. And if you feel the same way, this might not be a place for you to 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 listen. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great thing. I think we should we should wait maybe like a month and see, okay, you guys had time to listen to the podcast. I'm going to try this again. If Johnny has two apples, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think the takeaway that we want from this episode is to spark these kind of conversations because something that I'm seeing is that we don't like to talk about race in America yet race defines so much of our experiences if not 98% so of much, it. So much, but yet we don't like having these conversations. We shy away from them. They're uncomfortable. We don't like to call white people when they say dumb things. We I don't. think it's also an issue of like, um, like Jasmine taught you, but Jasmine is a professor. And like, it's not like these things are taught in like the public school system, you know, which is really sad because it's like, we want people to know this, especially white people. I think I get angry because I'm like, 
wow, y'all really didn't know about X, Y, and Z, but it's like, wait, I didn't know about that from the school system. I had to teach myself or my parents or my family had to teach me about black history. They just know about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, but literally it's, it's kind of not their fault almost because it's like, that's all the school system teaches you. And you have to really seek out, okay, I'm really going to immerse myself in like white fragility. I'm really going to listen to the so-called Orioles podcast. It's like, we, it's sad, but we do have to take that extra step to be like, wait, I need to be educated. And I feel like that's where, that's where it really, and it's, it's, it's annoying because I want to be mad at people, but then I also am just mad at like America because it's like, we should have told these people, Hey, America low-key sucks. And everyone has slaves, but you know, growing up, it was really like, America's great. Britain sucks. And that's it, you know? And I, I think what's important is that we focus on the different structures too. Like, Nah, we weren't explicitly taught about the granulars of racism, but that could be because 90 something percent of the teaching force in America is white. How, why should we expect them to have conversation? Well, of course we should expect them to, but we shouldn't be surprised when white people are not spending loads of their time talking about people of color they have the privilege of not having to pay attention to our struggle. And of course, they're going to teach things that they feel are the most important, which is their history, which is people that look like them. Whether they're doing it on purpose or whether they're doing it on accident or whether they just don't even realize what they're doing, they're white. So they're gonna talk about white shit. And so we need to make sure that we're diversifying our school system so that black people can get up in there and be like, hey, let me slide in some black curriculum so that people who are gay can get in there and be like, hey, we should probably talk about people who are gay or lesbian or trans or whatever, you know, so that people with disabilities can get in there and teach. So they can, it's just all about teaching people how to be more fucking like- um, Aware, inclusive, accepting. Right. All those but things. But you're, you're not gonna learn that if you are in an environment that's mono-fucking-chromatic. Why? If I'm a jellyfish, why the fuck I'm worried about what the goldfish doing over there? It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, y'all, we're all different. So to pay attention to difference, we have to make sure that people who are different have a seat at the table. Or is that not what you want? Because if, if you wanted that, you make sure that the table is diverse. You make sure that everybody has a voice. But you don't want that. You don't want that. Yeah, it's like Oprah with the the meme. It's like, are you racist? Or are you anti-racist? Like, you know, that whole, like, are you silenced? Are you silenced? Yeah. <laughs> That's really the question. Um, and with that, I think this was an episode, y'all. Oh, it's one for the books. Thank you, Jasmine, again, slaying every episode. I think that this has been an episode... I think that we could close it out unless anyone else has any closing thoughts or remarks. Yes, I do. Okay. Thank you, so-called Orioles, for having me. I love coming on to the show. Love your content. Um, and to all of those who listen to the podcast, um, if you were offended in any way, good. It means that you need to continue to do some growing. Um, and I'm excited for your growth, even if you're not. Oh my God, I love you. This is great. She said, good. <laughs> if you're offended in any way, good. You should really sit in that and think, hey, why am I offended? Sit in it. It's step one. <laughs> step one.
step one. I love when you're like listening is 0.231. Yeah, it is. Uh, That needs to be on a shirt. I love that. Thank you for joining us. This was awesome. As always, still my favorite guest. This is probably my second favorite episode. Um, So thank you for taking the time and educating us because it's I always learn something new as well. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, you can talk to us on all social media at so-called Oreos, and you can email us um, at so-called Oreos at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. We have had some people recently like slide into our email just to say, hi, I love you. I understand you like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. We love the gang. But anyway, You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts and we would love it if you could rate and subscribe and leave a review until next time. Bye. This is an attempt to resist the forces of nature. Yo, check, check, one, two, yo. You're about to hear two middle-aged men talking shit. That sounds fun. Hell yeah. What's this show called? It's Rich and Tim Unleashed.